Yo, what's good, everybody? I want to let you guys know that the summer collection of the standard is officially out. You guys can get one of our brand new Haymaker suits as well as one of our foundational suits. And if you're a guy who already has a ton of suits, we also have the standard membership package just for you. Guys, go to theaffluentstandard.com, link in the description below. I look forward to seeing you guys tap into the standard and let's get started with today's video. I think a lot of times what we do in life as men when we're not pursuing the proper knowledge and, and like really valuing and prioritizing our relationship with God is we walk around with like these cracked ribs like that we haven't properly allowed to heal, right? <clears throat> and we're going about the ring of life trying to fight and all it takes is that one punch, boom, mm. re-injured. We're in a, in a ring fighting when we should be in the corner patching ourselves up mm. so that when the actual real fight comes, you're not having to patch yourself up while you're trying to fight. You're not effective in it, right? So I think that like there's so much collateral damage when you are not healed, when you are not whole, and when you're not where where God would want you to be when a season where you're supposed to where you're called to be whole is. If you are working through trying to be faithful while you're married, yeah, you're supposed to already be that already. But now your marriage is suffering because you haven't gotten under control when you're single. This is Afiz, and welcome back to another episode. This episode is an episode that, man, I have been waiting for for such a long time. This gentleman is really inspiring the next generation of men with his style, with his content. And to me, when we sat down and we had a conversation just learning about our lives, learning about the symmetry, learning about the things that we both have in common. Man, I said when we bring him on the show, it's going to be an episode to remember. So, without further ado, please welcome to the show the one, the only, Ladarius Campbell. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? My, Happy to be here. My God, man. Appreciate you tapping in today, thanks man. For, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. No Blessed problem. To be here, man. No problem. Man, so, Ladarius, I know who you are. For sure. The people who may not know who you are, can you give a bit of an elevator pitch synopsis about who you are, what you do, and all that good stuff? My name is Ladarius Campbell, of course. So, um, first and foremost, uh, my most valuable asset is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for sure, 100%. Um, outside of that, I'm a husband, I'm a father, um, I'm an entrepreneur, so I, I do influencer work and content creation work. Um, I'm also a full-time corporate employee. Um, I help lead a Bible study. Shout out to Lit Bible Study. Um, I'm also on the diversity, diversity and inclusion board for my job as well. So wear a lot of hats, man. <laughs> Goodness gracious, man. Yeah, man. I, thought, I thought I did a lot, man. I, thought, I did <laughs> a lot. Sure, for sure. So what I really want to do before we really get into the meat of the conversation, because I feel like we have a lot of places we want to go. For sure. Is I want to go back in time. You're the same age as me, 31. Yes, for sure. And I want to go 10 years back in time. 21. And I want to know who Ladarius is. When he was 21, what, who was that guy like? 21-year-old Darius. I would say he was ignorantly broken. I would mm. say that. Um, I think that I think I went through a lot of, of, of trials, a lot of like dysfunction in my, like, my formative years and my childhood, right? And I think that I went to the University of Texas at Austin, and I thought that I convinced myself that because I had escaped the environment, right, that I, had, that I was raised in, the dysfunctional environment that I was raised in, that you know, that environment didn't have anything to do with me anymore. It didn't sink in. It didn't have any effect. I just thought that, like, because I was out of it, then it was no longer in me. And I think that 
there was a lot of healing I needed to do that that, that wasn't done. I was really carrying around a lot of trauma, a lot of um, unhealthy coping mechanisms, uh, a bunch of unhealthy perspectives on, on how to do life, what I thought life was about. I thought it was all about serving me. I thought it was all about making me happy all the time. I thought it was about just how much I can get, how much I can gain. And, and yeah, man, I was pretty lost. Um, I didn't realize it though. In your friend group, like which guy were you? Were you the party guy? Were you the ladies man? Were you the best dressed guy? Like which which guy were you? I think in the group? I was a I was a fusion of all of things, man. <laughs> ladies man for sure. Yeah. I was the like the person that brought the energy all the time. I was like the life of the party all the time. And I think that like I felt like I had to be that at all times because mm. I felt like I was trying to put on this this almost like facade of like being that guy. You know what I'm saying? Wanting to be perceived as that guy because I really didn't have it internally, you mm. know. 21, were you a senior or junior at UT? I was, I, I, did, I did five years at UT. Okay. So, yeah, I was a junior, for sure. And when did you, you start college? I started in 2009 and got out at 14. Okay, so you, you just left the Vince Young era, huh? Oh, yeah. For <laughs> just missed it, the Cole McCoy era, though. Yeah. Okay, okay, sure. okay, okay. Because that was the year you guys went to the championship to play Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. So, you graduate college. Mm-hmm. What do you do at that point? So I graduate college um, May of 2014. I leave to go to Cape Town, South Africa on a, a Maymaster Fellowship with this uh, professor called Dr. Moore. He was like one of the like black empowerment like teachers on the campus and he had a fellowship. My first time out of the country. Oh wow. Um, Cape Town was beautiful. We had a, we had a layover in, um, for 12 hours in uh, London. So I got to see London um, and it was just, the experience was just, it just like broadened my horizons to be outside of Texas, to be outside of America and just really like expanded the art of the possible and like what was out there. And that just made me want to like really like see the world, man, because I realized I was living in this bubble almost. So like, yeah, I, I uh, did that Maymester in Cape Town. Um, I came back and from there I was living with my parents for a bit as I, you know, kind of started to get into the corporate world, like trying to apply for jobs. Um, and I landed on where I am now. I'll be, September of this year will make eight years with my company. Um, and I'm a supply chain management broker with that company. Been there for eight years. Great culture, great leadership, great money. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's helped me grow so much. And it's, I always say it's helped, you know, me develop and find a way to be beneficial in every season of my life from that part of your crazy man to now like the man of God that I am with the family. Like it's, it's found a way to just be beneficial in every aspect. So that's a blessing for sure. But yeah, man, that's how the kind of like yeah. over overview of that went. Okay. So you, you may, you said something that was, that was, that seems like it was a night and day switch. Party man. Yeah. Man of God with family. Yeah. <laughs> night and day. It seems like those are two different complete yeah. things. Yeah. So yeah. like, what would you say caused that switch to go from this party guy to become the man of God that you feel like you are today? So I think that for me, the I think the moment was 2016, October 2016. I went to Austin to party mm -hmm. because I was turning up for uh, Halloween and I got DWI. Mm. Arrested. Um, I, after I got out of, out, of, out of jail, I like literally went to go get my car out of the pound thinking I'm about to like just, you know, just drive back home and like it's going to be fine. I got to the impound lot. My car was like, my motor was basically hanging out of the car. Wow. Like, and every airbag was deployed. The windshield oh, you got was an accident. shattered. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was a collision. So, got that happened. And when that happened, you know, I got to a point to realizing that, you know, I've been living life on my own terms, you know, trying to figure out 
what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and this is what life has led to on my own terms and my own strength. Right. And when I got the DWI, I think that was my point of like, OK, this is what I can create on my own by myself. Chaos, you know, and I realized that I needed something bigger than what I could come, with, come up with, come up with on my own. And when I realized that I started to really just kind of get closer to God. Right. And, and I really like kind of brought these like broken, fragmented parts of my life. Like, God, this is what I have right now. Um, I know it's not much, but it's all yours. Mm. Do whatever you want to do with it, because I clearly have squandered it, you know. And that was just a process in itself of just realizing that, you know, I have been living life kind of like reckless and just like kind of throwing darts on the board with like what I'm doing with my life, you know, before I really came to Christ. And I think that that moment like really changed the entire trajectory of my entire life, you know, because I am where I am now. So this is really good. I want to put a pin in this and I want to go on a bit of a detour. Okay. My question is, before I ask that question, your story seems like a very common story mm-hmm. where it takes a lot of men to hit rock bottom mm-hmm. before they realize their need for, for God. Yeah. My question to you is, do you think it's possible for a young man to have that realization and to have that level of desperation for God without hitting rock bottom? 100%. I definitely do. Um, I think that one very important part of that is modeling mm. um, and modeling in close proximity, right? People who are actually doing it right, people who are actually, you know, in places where these young men want to be and just exposing them to that and doing that consistently. I think that one thing that I lacked in my entire life, of course, my father wasn't there. So, like, I didn't have a model. So I was literally, like, kind of just really... Who was your model growing up? I would say... Um, so after a certain point, there's a woman that raised me, um, her and her husband. Um, so he was a model to a certain extent for me, for sure. But I think that at, when I hit the University of Texas, I think that these professors, these black professors who were just like wealthy, who were like just intelligent, that could create a fellowship to go abroad. Like that, that was those were the things that like I really valued. I really saw a lot of um, value in. I think that outside of that, it was just, I really think it was God without me even realizing it because for me to grow up in the environment that I did, but to know that there was just something more out there, like, I think I've always had that in me. It's like, there just has to be better than this, you know? So I think that like, until I got to the University of Texas at Austin, where I saw these professors operating like that, it was just like, there just has to be something better, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to really not have to hit rock bottom, it's number one, having a model that is that is that you can look to to ask those questions, right? And also be willing to actually listen and apply. Yeah. I think is another thing because I think we hear things that sound good but we don't do them. Mm. So. So, you said the woman who raised you that wasn't your mom? No, so my mom was she's an alcoholic and she um went to prison because she was like in a domestic violence dispute pretty much and from that point a woman that that she grew up with raised my sister and I. Wow. Yeah. And she took up the mantle because she also had three other children as well. So she took up the mantle and like really stepped in as our mother figure and like raised us um, as her own, you yeah. know, yeah. for sure. But we were about 12 years old by that time. So okay. we had went through a lot of, you know, like imagine. calamity with my mom and her instabilities and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I know you said that the... The professors at UT really were that model for you, but mm-hmm. who would you say 
when you were younger, 21, 22, 23, mm -hmm. before the come to Jesus moment that 2016, if you were trying to be a guy, who would it have been? Would it have been like Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Would it mm. have been Denzel Training Day? Like, like who, like who was the guy mm. that that like Ladarius thought? Okay, I <laughs> want to be like him, mm. and that's the person I'm kind of emulating my life based upon. Mm. I think that one person that I cling to early on was Miguel Ojontel, really. I think that his Can stock. You uh, no, <laughs> well, not but you do that trauma. <laughs> but um, yeah, Miguel Johnson was somebody I, I, I really linked up with like early on. I love his music. I love his expression. I love his his, his style, his style, and his uh, expression through like fashion stuff like that. So like I linked up with him like as like that. He's just like so cool with the way he expresses himself, right? And I think that his raw emotion of like how he expresses himself kind of like I like that a lot because I didn't have the confidence to do that because I really didn't know who I was. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, Miguel. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, to me, I, I thought, like, as you were sharing, something that something that stood out to me was the point about the model. Mm. Like, having someone to model your life based upon. Mm. And this is, and, and I don't want to get us too far ahead of the conversation. Yeah, 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 we're going to yeah, yeah. get here, but yeah. you and I were talking about this idea how Unfortunately, in today's world, especially for a lot of men, mm -hmm. they don't see that there is successful, godly, swaggy, mm -hmm. confident, mm -hmm. powerful men to be able to model their life off of. Right. Sure. And a lot of guys simply think that the model is simply either be this square Christian mm -hmm. or to be able to be, you know, this you know, thug life, worldly guy, right? Yeah, and there's not sure. a there's not a balance of these two things. Mm -hmm. well, there's a, a for sure like a perspective and the narrative around like those two like extremes for sure. I think that there aren't enough people that are like confidently operating in their gifts that God has given them, um, and then showing others how to do that as well. I think mm -hmm. that people think that you have to be this buttoned up like you know person that doesn't fully like and boldly walk into you know what God is calling you to walk into, and I think that. One thing I had to learn the learning curve of that is just like I have the ability to be confident and bold because God has called me to be this. You know, this is who he's made me to be. These are my strengths. I'm passionate about fashion now because it's just like, oh, a random like happenstance is because that's what God put in me. You know, and I think that like when it comes to shrinking back in your gifts and like kind of in my mind, like over like over extending the idea of like this meekness and like this humility. Right. Yeah. Where it's like. I can't be confident. I can't like present as this like person that has it together, that like has money, that is successful, that and it's like not throwing it in your face, but like just knowing that internally. Because I think that like when you know that internally, it shows exteriorly, right? So I think that like that's the issue. Is like there are people are trying to like say that like if you're not meek, you're not doing this right. But it's mm -hmm. like I am walking fully in my gifts and being bold about it and being confident because God has that character as well. He is bold. He is confident. He is abundant. You know, and I think that a, a lot of Christians think that because in order to walk adjacent to him and parallel to him and do it the right way, you have to be this like timid, yeah. shrinking back, pushover type person. And that's just not true. Now that's real. <clears throat> I think there was this concept that somebody once shared with me and, mm -hmm. and, and it was like, Jesus is the Lamb of God and mm -hmm. the Lion of Judah. Mm -hmm. But today, we have declawed the lion mm. and we have put on, uh, put on a pedestal the lamb. Yeah. And if any, any 
adjustments, any modifications to God's personality is is really a manipulation. Mm-hmm. You know, Agreed. it's really a desecration mm-hmm. of who He is. And so I agree with hundred <clears> percent. <throat> we live in this culture where the churches, parents, moms, society highly worship the the lamps. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is, you know, the men of God who are rewarded, they're rewarded because of being lions. Yeah. David was a lion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Joshua was a lion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Christ was a lion. Mm-hmm. Paul was a lion. Like Isaiah was a lion. Yeah. Like these people weren't, weren't just mouses, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think similar to you, we were talking about this before, but one of my biggest frustrations is that I feel as though so many men who are lions, mm-hmm. Feel like they can't walk with God. Yeah, to walk with God because they believe that's in contradiction to who they are. Exactly. I think that that does a a terrible job because I think it keeps them at bay in, in regard to like being able to be in relationship with God because they feel as though I can't see myself in that person that's not bold, that's not confident. So like, if I can't see it in Him, then that must not be parallel with God. So mm. then you're also doing a disservice to God by putting them in that box of like, oh, you have to be this timid person when it's like people who are ready to tear down some walls, right? And really like gain God's territory back or like really ready to be cultivated, but they can't because they're not able to really enter because they don't see themselves in the culture of Christianity because of that stigma that's been put on it. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about... Better question. You seem like a guy who's very sure of yourself. Yeah. And you seem like a man who's very sure of your purpose that God has called you to mm-hmm. be on. When did you know what your purpose was and how are you so sure that God called you to it? I think that I realized it when I think number one is proximity. Proximity was the number one thing. I, I really didn't know or was sure of myself for a long time. Right. Um, because I didn't have that relationship piece with God. Right. Mm-hmm. I just was kind of like like knowing about him through knowledge, but not through like practice, right? Not through like seeing him move and seeing him work, right? And until I really like joined Lit Bible Study and and like had a community of people that can speak into me and I was vulnerable about like what I had been through, then I think I realized like he was calling me into leadership, right? And leading men and encouraging men and inspiring men directly because of the absence of that in my own life. I think that we were talking about that as well, how a lot of us as men... We have to be the thing that we needed, right? Mm. And in that space, I think that's like a perfect picture of God. It's just like the thing that you like in, I'm going to amplify. I'm going to call you to be able to be the barrier breaker in that space. So I think that like when I realized the detriment I was at through not having a model, through not having a man to, to, to model my life through, I think God saw that and saw that nobody would expect this to be my end, my story, right? And I can, and God knew he could use that to show his true nature and his true power, right? And I, I, I always think about my story in relation to him because there's nothing special about me besides the fact that I really surrender every bit of my life to him. And through that, he's able to have his hands on whatever he wants, amplify whatever he wants the way he wants to do it. And I think that's where my confidence lies is knowing that this is not of my own doing. This is not of me being this special person. It's about who I'm allowing to maneuver in this vessel, right? And I think that what's happened in this past two years 
um, and beyond is just a testament to his power, right? So I think that the confidence comes not from, because I, I struggle with confidence, man. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I struggle with it a lot. But I Why? think that because of where I come from, right, and continuously looking back at where I come from versus the rooms that I'm in mm. and the people who have had something as simple as a two-parent household, who have had, like, piece, uh, um, multi-generations of, of people going to college in their family, who mm. have had all those things, who have had people in corporate America for years that can help guide them through that. They just had those models as a whole. People that I, that I associate with have had just models at some capacity. Everything that I'm doing right now is completely brand new to me, mm. every bit of it. So it's like I think that seeing how surrendering to God, right, has allowed me to thrive in these areas as effectively as I am is undeniable who he is. So that's why my confidence lies in him. Mm. So many layers, bro. I'm gonna I'm I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 take you guys on this journey because <laughs> yeah, for sure. We 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 got deep last yeah, time. Yeah, we'll, we did. We'll, we'll walk we'll walk them there. Yeah. Um. So most people know you mm-hmm. from that viral Steve Harvey video. Yeah. But I think most people think that was like your first video you ever put out <laughs> on, on social media. Yeah, right? for sure, man. So so take me back to. When you first started posting on social media mm-hmm. and then the events that led up to that, um, the Steve Harvey post. Okay, so I started off this whole social media journey with no intent on being a content creator, on being an influencer. I actually had a hard time calling myself an influencer for a while, um, but I did it as an avenue for expression, right? I'm a, I'm a husband, a father, um, a man of God. All of those transitions happened in a matter of about a year. All three of those, like three and one, like wow. all happened in about a year's time. And as I was at Lit Bible Study in the, uh, in the men's group, um, I was like expressing like how like a lot of my life has changed so quickly and I just need like a form of expression for myself. And he was like, you should pick up a passion project. Like do a passion project. And I surveyed my life over like, okay, like what do I really have to like do that? And I was like, okay, it, it takes passion. So passion was my passion. It's always been my passion. And I'm on social media a decent amount. And from there, you know, I just decided to kind of merge those worlds and create videos around, you know, I know I wanted to be versatile, right? So my first video was just like showing how, like, ways to wear this green suit, right? And the transitions were very choppy. Because <laughs> I, no, I have no experience with any of this, bro, like period whatsoever. So first video, put that out. It did a lot better than a lot of the posts that I had posted period previously to that video and I made it a point to post every single Saturday at 10 a.m. I told myself I'm going to do this a hundred times. I don't care what it yields. I'm not really in it for what it yields. This is my passion project. This is what I want to do. I'm going to post a hundred videos which is about what about two almost two years worth of content for every Saturday. So I did that um, and I was just posting every Saturday man And, and like I started getting hundreds of views thousands of views Thousands of views, ten thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of views to millions of views, right? And before the Steve Harvey video, I got a couple of like uh, videos where they were like in the million, two million, right? And then the Steve Harvey video, crazy how that happened. This girl named Gloria, I went to uh, undergrad with. She sends me this audio, and she's like, "This would be a great idea for uh, a range video." Mm. And this is about a year and a month into me posting every Saturday, yeah. and. I was like, when I heard the audio, my mind, I just saw it. I have a gift for that. I just like, I can bring vision to reality like nobody else, bro. Yeah. So I saw it all in my head and I created it on my birthday weekend. I, I posted, oh. I dropped it. 
And it just went crazy, man. <laughs> like, I went crazy viral. And then I dro- and then the photographer for our wedding dropped the video of my daughter and I, you know, mm. um, around that same time. So I, like, went double viral for those two things, oh, like, wow. all- around the same time. So just so much growth so quick. Like, I went from 25,000 followers to, like, where I am now, man. Wow. Crazy. In like, in like a matter of a week. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Man, now that's dope because I think um, your story kind of reminds you of the Russ story, you know, where I think a lot of people don't realize when it comes to content creation that when you see, for a lot of people, some people are one-hit wonders, but yeah. for a lot of people, when you see a video go, yeah. this isn't the first video. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a lot of background in that, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 100%. And I think that that's another piece of the story is just like being in position, right, for the blessing before it comes. It's like I was in position to be able to capitalize off of that moment when it came, right, because I had, you know, a year worth of videos for the people to go back and look at after that attention getter, you know, of the Steve Harvey, uh, they got that, that attention getter and they went back to my page. And I'm like, oh, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is all the stuff he has. Well, I'm going to follow him. So that situation where it was like could have been like a one-time thing where one video could have got a million views, it turned to me retaining mm. followers and able to optimize off of that opportunity like when it came because I was in position before mm. it came, you know? So, yeah. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. So what would you say was the, the biggest lesson you learned in the midst of the viral moment? Like, what would you say was the biggest lesson, the biggest maybe life-changing moment or something that just like a light bulb went off or just something that you saw that you didn't expect to happen? Like, what would you say would be that biggest lesson? I think that the power of consistency is what I, what I really like learned a lot about and doing and operating in your passion in spite of results, I think is the biggest piece mm. that I got from that because the viral moment made me realize that like, the times where I was really just grinding and doing what I love because I just love it, like, will always yield something. Like, operating in your gifts, cultivating your gifts, spending time in your gift and doing that consistently will always produce, like, greatness in my mind. Even if it's not 400,000 followers, even if it's not whatever it is, like, what, what that will lead you to is a fulfillment, you know, like, really being able to operate and cultivate that. So, like, I think that's what I really learned the most about that. So, yeah. Mm. So we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago about the idea of I'm having to learn everything myself. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing with you about the company that I started, The Standard. Uh-huh. And one of the points that you brought up, and you said it the same way, is that for a lot of guys, we're having to live life with no prior background information to how to live it. Yeah. Like, where's the manual for being a husband? Where's mm-hmm. the manual for being a father? Where's mm-hmm. the manual for being a business owner? I've seen so many guys are literally like blind bats yeah, fluttering through the caves of life, trying to figure out what to do mm-hmm. in isolation. Yeah. And the, the one of the heartbeats to creating the standard was... We want to be able to give men clear processes mm-hmm. to be able to have a have a way. But it's the year 2022, mm-hmm. and I'm very surprised. Like, why hasn't anybody else done this? Why hasn't yeah. anybody else created this path? 
In your opinion, why do you feel as though men are not working together with other men to be able to give them guidance and a path to processes that they may not be aware of? I think a lot of people who are operating on like high levels that are maybe already there, arrived, or like being successful, I think they operate, they have operated in more of a competitive mindset than like a collaborative mindset. Mm. And I think that they kind of like try to hoard resources, right? To where if I let this person in on my recipe, they're just going to recreate it, steal it, and do better than I'm going to do eventually, mm. right? And I think that that has so much to do with like your lack of confidence in yourself and your, like you being the individual, right? Like no matter how oversaturated this market gets, like I'm the only me. I don't care how many people do it. I don't care how many people I help. You know, like ultimately I'm, I'm the, like I'm the only me factor, right? So I think that when you understand that about yourself, you're able to open that, like that reservoir of like resources up and help somebody else do it because you know, it's not going to challenge you. And I think that like, that goes back to being able to be, appreciate the fact that operating in your passion is the reward, not mm. what comes from it. You know, because when you're operating in your passion, you're not upset with helping somebody else operate in theirs because it just further helps you operate in your passion. If I'm somebody who knows how to dress, I love dressing, and somebody wants to come along and ask me questions about dressing, I love dressing, so I would love to answer that question. It's because it's, it's adjacent to my passion. So, like, I think that the reason it doesn't exist is because people are so scared of collaboration because they fear them being overshadowed, right? Mm. So, Yo, what's good, everybody? We're going to take a quick pause from this week's amazing episode to talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors over at Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is a real A1 day one from the roommates, and we absolutely love Skillshare because they are a unique online learning community where men and women can learn all types of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Man, so many men for the past years in the roommates have been learning, have been blossoming, have been transforming from Skillshare because not only do you get the first month free to test it out, but Skillshare has such a vast library of courses, of resources that you guys can be able to tap into today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates and take advantage of this opportunity. Guys, on the podcast, we meet so many amazing men and women who are so talented, but they didn't get their skills overnight. They had to master these things and Skillshare gives Gives you all the resources that you can be able to master your best self and tap into your full potential. So do not delay. Get on Skillshare today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Trust me. You'll thank us later. And let's get back to this week's episode. Now that makes that makes sense because as you pointed out, there's there's this deep-seated insecurity where we believe if I, if he wins, I lose. And if I win, he loses. Yeah, for sure. And if I help him, I will be out. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, to me, that's the question that I, I, I was thinking about. And I think about all these millionaires and, and billionaires in the black community. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, why don't you create like a step-by-step guide mm-hmm. to how you got here? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some names I'm going to call. I'm going to call them out because I want the Nintendo goons for me. <laughs> yeah, for but there's sure. some people I'm just like, yo, why don't you a step-by-step guy to help other people get there? Yeah. And as you shared, like, a lot of people feel as though if I help him, mm-hmm. I'm going to lose. And so yeah. we don't want to help one another. Agreed. 
100%. And I think that, like, you lose the, the I've seen the power of community, man, like, just as a whole in my, like, biblical community with my, like, with my Christian friends, like, and how impactful it's been to, like, have a community around me. And I think that how much more impactful would it be to have a community of men that are just leading and sharing and have these resources at their disposal to just be able to pour back into the world? Like, having that community, like, I just can't imagine how that would feel because people like you and I, we're trailblazing, right? And sometimes, like, we talked about that, like, trailblazing gets gets very lonely at times mm-hmm. because we are the only people operating on this level, you know? So it's like to have people who are, you can look to your left and look to your right and like, they get it. They understand it. Y'all are walking together through that. It's just like, y'all will be a powerhouse, right? Yeah. And you will not be lacking anything because it's in your community. Mm. So, yes, no. And, and that's exactly what I thought about. Cause I, I did a post the other day and in the post I shared about the most important fact that has led to my success. Uh-huh. And in the post I was like, all these guys who I have in my life mm-hmm. because I have guys to go to for everything. So I started listing out a bunch of names. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, yeah. Right. And, and somebody wrote in the comments and they were like, that sounds great, but nobody has friends like this. Mm. <laughs> I don't read the comments for these reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yo, I was able to create a community like this. Yeah. And I am sharing this with other people. So it's not nobody, a lot of people, the whole world now has access to these things. Mm-hmm. And so what, what, I've, what I've seen is that there's even like this hesitancy that, that, that I encounter now mm-hmm. where people just really don't believe that yeah. there's guys who actually want to help one another. People like, it's like they believe it's a fairy tale. Yeah. What we're building. Yeah. And so I just, I was just, that, that post really got me. So I was like, man, like, if men feel like what we're building is such a fairy tale, mm-hmm. I wonder what their actual lives are like. Mm. I wonder how devoid of community and connections and networking yeah. and support system that they have, if they're looking at the, the beginning stages of what we're building yeah. as Greek mythology. Yeah. It's not capable. It's not possible. That's that's good. I think that that you hit the nail on the head with what their reality looks like. I think that a lot of people have a hard time accepting what they don't have. Mm. And I think that another part of it is, um, especially men, we have a hard time asking for help. Yes. Right. And I can guarantee you that the circle that you've built came from you asking for help, mm. came from you being vulnerable, came from you putting yourself out there. Right. And it yielding what you have now. And I think that people... Um, especially men, again, like really have a hard time putting themselves out there at the expense of looking dumb, at the expense mm-hmm. of being embarrassed, at the expense of being told no, right? And how that feels, how that rejection feels. And like what I've realized, you know, when it comes to hearing the word no or being rejected or putting myself out there, it's like when I hear the word no, for me, N-O stands for uh, not over, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's if I get, if I hit a wall, if I'm trying to create a solution, if I'm trying to get help and I hear the word no, it's not over. It just means that I have to redirect and figure out what God is trying to show me because the path that I just went on, it, it yielded no, but the path that he's trying to show me is better than what I just tried. So I got to keep going until I figure out where that door is because I'm sure you heard a lot of no's in your process of creating the standard, creating this group of men and all that, the resilience that comes with that, right? Right has to be 
significant, right? In order for you to operate in that space and like create what you created. But I don't think that a lot of men possess that because they don't realize that a lot of resilience starts with vulnerability. Mm, what do you mean by that? I think that you have to understand that you have to put yourself out there to be told no or yes to, which is a vulnerable moment in order for you to actually rise above, right? Mm. So I think that like men aren't really willing to do that, so they really can't be resilient in the space. So mm, now that's really good. It's like um, to, to to try is to risk failure. Yeah, and to risk failure is to risk being rejected, mm-hmm. and rejection for a lot of us Mm -hmm. is really not a rejection of our services, but a rejected rejection of our person. Mm -hmm. Right? So when I go and try to get a client, that client didn't say no to my services, said Mm -hmm. no to how feeds a person. Yeah. And then that makes me feel like I'm lesser than a man. Exactly. And so a lot of guys don't want to ever feel that way. Exactly. So they don't even put themselves in a position. Yeah to even be rejected. Yeah, and that's why you see these men who try to shoot their shot at women and they get mad when mm-hmm. like when they don't respond how you want them to respond cuz it's like I'm being vulnerable, you need to like, you know what I'm saying? Like do those things and like respond to me how I want to be responded to because they're like not used to putting themselves out there so when they do they feel like you owe them something, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's like I think that that goes back to like what I was saying earlier about like how vulnerability is so important when it comes to resilience cuz it's like if you only give a little bit of yourself when you're trying to get a client. It's like, and they tell you, no, you're like, oh, well, I didn't get it much myself anyway. That's not resilience. But if you gave it your all and they told you no, that's when you got to be resilient. What what would you say to a person who's listening to you is like, Darius, that sounds good, but it's so hard for me to put myself out there fully. Like 20% is hard for me. You're asking me to do 100%. Like, mm-hmm. what, is your, what is your message to somebody who's giving you pushback like that? I think that we do a, a bad job at thinking of the big picture, right? I've always encouraged people to, to like really celebrate the incremental increases in your life. So the fact that you want to do better is step one. Celebrate that you realize that you're not where you want to be and that you have a desire to actually get better. And once you encourage yourself in that space, then you can take the next step toward, okay, well, I mean, what you're saying sounds good and I'm going to take 10% of it, take 10% of it and apply it and try it and see how that works for you. Because I do believe that there's true and real um, power in the experience of application, right? Because I'm not going to, I don't like, I love when theory meets reality because when theory meets reality, you understand that when you hear something, you can actually like take it in more because you've seen that this is one something that was theoretical that somebody said to me. I tried it and it worked. So that defense mechanism gets down. But I think that trying to tear down a whole entire house in one blow is kind of hard. So you have to do board by board until they can actually see the big picture. But I can't ask you to believe there's an entire community if I'm not willing to sacrifice five minutes to talk to you. Mm, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so definitely, I think that's, I think that's a great point because what I've also suggested to guys is that with everything that you watch online, mm-hmm. try to take a sample of the, of the advice and try it out yourself. Yeah. So for example, let's say a person's out of shape. 
I'm like, okay, cool. The best strategy is to work out five days a week. Mm-hmm. Cool, perfect. That's too much. Do me a favor. For the next month, just do just do twice a week. Mm-hmm. And after that, tell me how it feels. Yeah. Then do three. Then yeah. follow it. You know. Then eventually you'll be at five. So I love what you said. It's like this increment, uh, incremental. Okay. Try this out little by little, and as you see the results coming from the little steps you're taking, yeah, it will encourage you to do the big steps. But what? Exactly. But how would you then even? Counsel, because I can imagine there's a guy who's saying, oh, I took the little steps, and then when I got to showing 30% of me, I got rejected, I got embarrassed, I got laughed at, I got, you know, people looked down upon me, mm-hmm. and I, now I'm going back in my shell. What would you say to a person who said they tried it, they got shamed, and they got insulted, and they feel like they, they put themselves out there, and they mm-hmm. failed, and now they don't want to do it again? What would you say to that person? I think that you have to like shift the focus, right? Because I think that in putting yourself out there in whatever the case may be, like remove the expectation of what you think is going to look like, right? And what you think, because I think that that's the biggest defeating piece is like, I'm going to put myself out there. When I do this, it's going to yield this. Mm. And it's like, that in itself is like kind of like starting off wrong because you have to allow the process to do what it's going to do. Mm. Now you're a bit more comfortable putting yourself out there. That's mm. a win than where you were because you were not even willing to try this at first. So it's like shift the focus and take your expectation off of what you think is going to be because if I'm looking towards somebody and asking for advice and I see you are where you are, I'm going to trust that you have the capabilities and what you're telling me is going to yield what it needs to yield. I just have to deal with myself and be able to be consistent in doing that thing until it does. And understanding that like even though I may not see it or perceive it in the moment, it's still doing the work that needs to be done. No, that's so good. And, and to me, I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about the role models. Mm-hmm. And my what I've realized about advice, and people always ask me, like, okay, when you were 19, 20, 21, mm-hmm. like, what were you doing that helped you get here? And I've always said, this has been my philosophy in life. And I'll tell you a brief story. Mm-hmm. I grew up on anime and video games. Okay. I love Pokemon. Love Pokemon. Okay. My brother loved Pokemon as well. Those cards. Um, especially the Game Boy games. Yeah. So one day, we were playing. me and my brother, we were playing Pokemon. And my brother was having issues with like accomplishing one of the, the missions. Mm-hmm. So he went on YouTube. And on YouTube, there's these po- game walkthroughs. Okay. Where basically, if you're having a problem with, with a video game... You can simply just see someone else play the game and just obviously copy them, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Back in our day, you didn't have that. You know what I mean? You had <laughs> issues with SSD4, the yeah. second Genesis. You had to figure it out yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. But now, there's these online walkthroughs where you can literally just watch someone play the game and just copy them. Yeah. My brother would do that all the time. <laughs> Frustrate me. I'll say, yo, stop copying the walkthroughs. Yeah. Oh. What I realized was, though it frustrated me when he did that in video games, that's exactly what I did in life. Ooh. What I did was I found people when I was 19, 20, 21 who were where I wanted to be mm-hmm. at 30, 35, 37. Uh-huh. And I said, yo, what was the exact things you did to get here? Mm-hmm. Like, share it with me. The exact step-by-step walkthrough. And I copied that. And what that does is that I know the results work. Mm-hmm. Because when I've seen 17 different men who I know personally 
all tell me I did A, B, C, and I got X, Y, Z. I know it works. Yeah. So to me, part of the conversation with a lot of guys not believing in in the the risk is that if you see the results, you realize the risk is worth the results. That's good, bro. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when, and this is the thing about the Bible that people don't realize. The Bible is there for you to see the results of men who risk their lives to pursue the purpose that God has called them yes. to. It's there to show you mm-hmm. that, yo, these things are self-evident and true. You trust God. You're obedient to God. Mm-hmm. You're rewarded by God, if not in this life, but in the next one. Yeah. And so what I've realized is whenever guys have the pushback to tangible pieces of advice, I always ask them, what have you seen or who have you seen Mm -hmm. do this and it not work? Yeah. And when you surround yourself with men such as yourself and men who are actually doing the exact things that are being suggested and receiving the results you want, Mm -hmm. I don't know how you as a man can go against that. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. I think that, like, the issue is they want the reward without without the risk, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that <clears throat> what I think we both can attest to is the fact that the risk and what we had to give up in order to actually see where we have gotten mm-hmm. has been the reason we've gotten where we've gotten. <clears throat> because the process prepared us, seeing that I have to let this go in order to pick this up. Like, that's what allowed us to get to the point that we want to get to. So I think mm. that, like, when it comes to the experience piece of process, you can't shortcut that. You, mm. can't, you can't go through it and not feel the pain of what it is to be lonely as an entrepreneur or to be tired when you're working extra hours a day, like, or to whatever you did in your recipe to actually get to where you are. Like, you felt that full on, right? And sometimes it felt like it wasn't yielding anything, and sometimes you saw it all come together only at the end, right? At the last Mm. minute. But it's like all of that allowed you to be resilient for the next season, the next phase, the next level, the next elevation, right? And I think that people stop too early because they are feeling the risk and they get fearful and they they let it go for a second and they're like, oh, I'll let it go. And they're just looking at it like, oh, I've let it go. What's going to happen to it? Instead of I'll let it go. Let's turn and see and pick up something else and something new and figure out what this part of the process looks like. Because what you let go is what you've been doing. Mm. And it hasn't yielded what you wanted to yield. So let it go and just try this mm. and hold on to that just for a little bit. You've held on to that, that thing that's not doing anything for you for years and years and years. And you're still in the same position. But the thing about us is we are very, very like oriented with like familiarity. We love familiarity, right? And yeah. Trying to operate on this level, it takes so much risk and uncomfortable, like uncomfortability and unfamiliarity, right? Mm. And you have to get comfortable with that, right? Understanding mm. that I can always be a student, I can always be learning, I can always be growing, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Mm. <clears throat> this is so good. I wrote down the other day because I was thinking about this this idea. And I said, everybody wants to be the standard, but nobody wants to sacrifice. Mm, that's good, bro. And somebody made this point a couple years ago when I was coaching football. And it was such a deep concept. It was so deep. And he said, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, sure. like, 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 to me, it's like this. 
there, there is this cost mm -hmm. to entrance yeah. for success, you know, for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that in my personal experience, in mm -hmm. my personal season of life, a lot of men, it's not an issue of not knowing the process. Mm. It's not being willing to pay the price. Oh, that's good. Like there was a time in the day where if you did not know how to dress, you were screwed. Yeah. There was no internet. You know, there was no, maybe there was a Tom Ford book or a fashion <laughs> book that you could find on in, in your library. Yeah. But there, there was nowhere you could go. And if you're living in freaking, you know, St. Paul's, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> to find style. Nowadays, yeah. you can go on freaking Ladarius' Instagram page, follow Ladarius, and get a full-fledged 75 ways to wear black pants, 95 ways to wear white t-shirts. Yes. You know, you, yeah. you get a whole library <clears throat> of information yeah. that was never provided to you before. Yeah. But so many people still do not want to sacrifice and pay the price to begin the process. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, everybody wants instant results and everybody wants to not have to take any risk. Mm -hmm. So this reminds me of this like concept that I've been kind of working out in my head, right? Uh, and it really is the recipe for how I got to where I am now. And it really is, a, I call it the, the no-do gap. Mm. And what it is is um, closing this, there's a gap between knowing what you should do and actually doing it. <clears throat> I like where you're going with this. So there's a gap between that. The, 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 the more you can close that gap, the further you can like make that gap, I mean, the more you can close that gap, the, the better off you will be. The more you will see in your life come to pass, right? Um, but when it comes to the know versus do gap, right? You either know better and you don't do better. And it's like, you have to start with the knowledge piece of that. In order to actually do better, you have to know what better actually is first, mm. right? So you have to start with pursuing the proper knowledge mm. initially before you can actually close the gap because if you don't know what the right thing to do is, then you can't do it, right? So when it comes to pursuing the proper knowledge, that's the space that I think that when I came to Christ, when I came to lit Bible study, when I started my walk with God all in, I was pursuing the proper knowledge, which is only found in the Bible because I'm a true believer in the fact that you can only be in this world what you are to God. Mm. Y'all's relationship is a reflection of like who you are in this world is a reflection of your relationship with God. Okay. So if you haven't learned to stick it out with God, if you haven't learned to be resilient with God, if you haven't learned to let things go and risk things and allow him to really complete the good work that he has started, then how do you expect yourself to fully do that in any other process? And I think that as believers, you see people who are operating on the levels that we're operating on, operating this way because we had, we start, it started before anybody saw any of this. Mm -hmm. It started before it, a single post was made. It started with my relationship with him and everything around it is a, is a byproduct of it all. And it's, I think that people don't realize the, the, the actual like parallel to those two things is your relationship with God is going to be reflected in this earth or lack thereof. Mm. <clears throat> I like the, the, 
that the the no do gap that you is that am I yeah saying no do yeah no do gap yeah because to me I've since I've been really pushing the standard recently mm-hmm. I truly and I was telling you the same thing I truly feel that I'm not selling a product. I truly believe I'm answering prayers. Yeah. And this sounds blasphemous. No. God answers prayers. Yeah, God answers. I truly believe better better phrases. I'm being sent yeah. to answer prayers. As a vessel, yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah. And I realize that there are so many guys who don't have the support and all they need mm-hmm. is uh, is one person that will change their life. One person, one opportunity, one network, one connection, and everything changes. Yeah. Then I spent all my time sharing it with guys so guys can know what we're doing, know what it's about, know what we stand for. Mm-hmm. And guys know it, but they don't do it. Mm. They know it's there. They know it can benefit their life. They know it's exactly what they need and never do it. And literally what you said makes perfect sense. Yeah. What I tell people is this. Christianity of the West, to me, is, is damaged because it emphasizes passive worship. This mm-hmm. is my personal theory, and I'll explain to you what I mean by yeah. that. Passive worship, to me, is isolated acts of your of your service to, isolated acts of your service to God mm-hmm. that does not take any proactivity for example mm. singing at at church at service sitting at service mm-hmm. reading your bible to me i consider that passive worship yeah. you're you you're sitting down you're really not you're, you're doing something but it's it's just something where you can just oh i'm worshiping God i went to church i worship yeah. God i read my bible so there, there, and there's not saying that it's not like it's lesser of yeah. a worship, but what I've seen, especially when I was going through the, the the book of Hebrews, men of God primarily worship God through active yeah. worship. It's not necessary. Some guys like to sing. Most guys, they what am I in church? You can yeah. sing. A lot of guys can sit down for three hours and do a someone preach a sermon. Most guys, uh, mm-hmm. it may not be so. Yeah. A lot of guys can read read the Bible for five hours and pray for seven hours a day. Some most guys, uh, it's just a little challenging. Yeah. But what you see is active worship exists when you're pursuing the purpose that God has called you to do. Yeah. When God told Joshua to take over the promised land, that was active worship. Yeah. When God told um Nehemiah to rebuild the walls that was active worship mm-hmm. when God told Noah to build the ark that was active worship what these men of God did was they they actively yeah. pursued the purpose that God called them to do mm-hmm. and that was their worship unto God yeah so in the book of faith in in in, in Hebrews you see Hebrews I believe um, chapter 12 when they're talking about that 12 or 13 I always get confused but they're talking about these men of, of <clears> God they talk about King David, the very first time you ever hear David talk was when he's about to slay Goliath. Why? Because that what he felt that was his purpose with God to, mm-hmm. to who's here to defile this God. Yeah. 
So I realized that so many men, to what you're saying, mm-hmm. they have a purpose that they're called to by God, yeah. and they're not even doing that. Yeah. They're not even doing what they know to do. There's things right now that they know what they're called to do and know who they're being like. They're being like Jonah. Mm. Going the other way. Going the other way mm-hmm. and doing nothing. Yeah. God has called you to go this way. <clears throat> I believe it's east to Nineveh. Uh-huh. And you go in the opposite direction, yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. And so then, to your point, if you can even do it, yeah. when the God of the universe has called you to do it, who am I? Who am I? Yeah. How are you going to listen to me when yeah. I'm telling you to do what you're supposed to do? That point that you brought up is freaking brilliant. Yeah, I think that like it's so crazy because you see the lack of this relationship with God in really reverencing him for who he really is, allowing him to dictate uh, what we should be doing by valuing what we we know about him, right? Mm-hmm. What our purpose should be and like how he's called us to live in so many areas, right? And I think that there's a lot of... When, when you do that, there's so much collateral damage mm-hmm. that comes along with not properly reverencing God and following him and knowing his truth to apply to your life, right? Because going back to my formative years, like when I was 21, like I should have spent that time healing so that when I came into whatever God wanted me to come into, I was a lot more whole, right? Mm. When it comes to, I think a lot of times what we do in life as men, when we're not pursuing the proper knowledge and, and like really valuing and prioritizing our relationship with God, is we walk around with like these cracked ribs, like that we haven't properly allowed to heal, Right. <clears throat> and we're going about the ring of life trying to fight. And all it takes is that one punch. Boom. Mm. Re-injured. We're in a, in a ring fighting when we should be in the corner patching ourselves up. Mm. So that when the actual real fight comes, you're not having to patch yourself up while you're trying to fight. Mm. You're not effective in it, right? So I think that like there's so much collateral damage when you are not healed, when you are not whole, and when you're not where, where God would want you to be when... A season where you're supposed to, where you're called to be whole is. If you are working through trying to be faithful while you're married, yeah, you're supposed to already be that already. But now your marriage is suffering because you haven't gotten under control when you were single. Mm. And it's like, I want you to live fully in this, but I can't because you didn't reverence me in your singleness when you should. And now it's time to apply wholeness, but you can't mm. because you didn't heal. Wow. Man, so that literally, as you were talking, that a question just lit up in my brain. I think it's going to be a great, great topic. So you've been married for how many years right now? Uh, three. Three years. Congratulations. Thank you. So you've been married for three years. And within the past six months, you have went from somebody who was doing content on Instagram to, to a person which I believe almost everybody will recognize you <laughs> to some way, shape, or form. Yeah. That's the guy from TikTok, this guy from Instagram, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So with that comes with from 25,000 subscribers, <clears throat> 25,000 on all platforms to millions of, across yeah. all platforms. Yeah. With that comes a lot of attention mm-hmm. from men as well as from women. Mm-hmm. So as a man who is God's now opening the doors 
to the success that you've been working for to all these years, what has been the mental processes of dealing with all that new attention, dealing with all the potential new temptation, dealing with all these additional women who now see what you're doing and may now try to, you know, find a way to communicate with you or some way or shape or form. Like how have you been personally processing this as your your status has been growing exponentially? I don't see it, period. Like I don't, I, like it, as it comes to me, it like really like falls off. Like it doesn't really like phase my mental at all because God is so intentional. <clears throat> um, before I started this journey, um, at, in um, 2020, God told me to put social media down for six months. Mm. He just told me. He didn't tell me why. I didn't want to do it. And it was right when I had moved in with my wife and my daughter. And like we were starting our lives. And then the pandemic hit. So social media is really my only little, you know, outlet, you know. And with that being the case, God told me to put it down. So I'm like, you're taking away my only thing that I have. <laughs> like, you know. But... He's so intentional about it because in those six months, I realized the true nature of his, again, that knowledge piece, going back to knowing and doing, I realized that my wife and my daughter was my primary ministry first. I realized my role as a husband. I realized my role as a father in those six months. I was able to build this foundation. And then when I, and I was willing to let him know that social media does not supersede you, God, I'll put it down for six months <clears throat> and that's it. I'll let it do whatever comes from it comes from it. And it's crazy because I had no idea when he told me to put it down that that would be the very thing that he utilizes to create all of this abundance. But if I wouldn't have took those six months to actually build that foundation and be obedient to God and trust whatever he, it didn't make sense in the moment, but whatever he was trying to do and whatever he was trying to work out in me, if I wasn't obedient to that and this does come all this success, all this fame, all this attention, all these women coming, then the answer to that question is completely different. Mm -hmm. I'm abandoning my daughter. I'm partying all the time back. I'm thinking I'm something bigger than I actually am. I'm treating her like she's like 20% when she's worth a million, you know, and it's just like I'm doing all those things because as I'm operating in my passion, right, and I'm doing these things and the success is coming, my identity is being anchored in that and mm. not in what I know in my relationship with God, right? And I think that <clears throat> one thing that helps me stay grounded and helps me to maneuver through all of this is two things. I would say parameters and intentionality. I say parameters because I think that passion without parameters can lead to problems. Mm. And when we get blessed, when, we, when God gives us things that we want, the desires of our heart, we can tend to have a dead set focus on those things than him. Mm. And that's when the, 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 the order starts to, starts to get shifted, great. right? Because you think about Joshua and him taking that city and think about the clout that came from. Like, yeah, I'm posting on social media. He took a city. Like, yeah. that's major clout, you know? And it's like, if he just saw himself as, I'm the conqueror of a city, God wouldn't have been able to continue to use him further because he would have been a conqueror, but God says we're more than conquerors, right? Yeah. So it's like you can't be focused so much on your passion that it supersedes your identity in Christ, right? And I think that for me, in that six-month period of like development, I realized that I had to prioritize and put parameters on 
my passion because as you know, when you're operating in your passion, something that you love, getting paid for it, it doesn't even feel like work. It's just, you can do this all day long, period, to the point to where you're neglecting the things, the other things that God has blessed you with as well, right? So making sure that I'm turning that stuff off and making intentional time. When I am turning it off, where's my mind when I'm with my wife? Where's my mind when I'm with my daughter? To make sure that I'm actually being intentional about how I'm pouring in those spaces while I'm actually actively in them, not just, oh, how can I make this video better? How can I do those things? So I think that like those two things has helped me just stay grounded and realize that everything is changing, but nothing is changing at all. So when you say you don't, you don't see the temptation, is there never like a, like a time when like a certain girl might follow you? You're just like, whoa, where did this come from? Is, is there, because I feel like the, the, the devil's smart, you know what I mean? Like he might throw something in. Is there, is there anything, and if that happens, how do you process stuff like that? I think that for me, I've realized like, we're called sheep. Like, that's yeah. what we're called. We're yeah. called sheep because sheep are dumb. Like, yeah, sheep yeah. are just, they can drown by looking up when it, when it rains. That's all them they are, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that I've realized that as what it really is, which is I don't know what's best for me, right? So I don't care how shapely you are, how fine you are, how much money you have, how, none of that stuff because I'm looking at it with my sheep eyes, my dumb eyes. It's like, oh, this is how this will serve me. This is how this will, this is what this will do for me. But I'm not focusing on what the back end it's going to happen. And I think I've been through enough life on my own terms to realize that I have not calculated the collateral damage that my actions would cause. Mm. So I think that when it comes to those things, those temptations coming, coming about, it's like I would rather not figure out the hard way what lies on the other side of not only an action, but even a thought. Because we're calling the Take our thoughts captive. That's what the Bible says. Take, your, take every thought captive is what it says. And if you allow yourself to permeate in that space too long, it's going to eventually turn from a thought to an action mm. or a thought to a perspective. Yeah. So if I'm sitting here, oh, this chick that's got a fatty and she bad and all that stuff, like, and I'm just scrolling on her page, that goes from, oh, she's fine and doing that to... How does she look in comparison to my wife? Mm. And it's like, for me, divorce is not on the table. I it's not. So like for me, I'm doing my life a disservice by operating in that space. Mm. Two things stood out to me as you were talking. The first thing that stood out to me is that God has put you through the crucible mm -hmm. in so many different areas of your life that there is this healthy fear, as Proverbs like to put it. Yeah, for sure. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And what wisdom does for you is always to ask the question, so what happens next? Yeah. And what I realized is the most, like, foolishness is, foolishness says, enjoy the moment. Yeah. Wisdom says, Temporary. what happens next? Mm -hmm. Right? In every decision that you make. Yeah. Like, so if I'm drinking and I want to drive, foolishness says, go it'll, ahead. Yeah, it'll be good. Wisdom says, well, what happens next? Mm. Right? Yeah. If, if you're scrolling through social media and this attractive girl starts following you, foolishness says, she's following you. Enjoy it. Yeah. Wisdom says, what happens next? So I think God has put that wisdom in you to now you're able to stop in these moments 
and to ask myself this question, what happens? And you know what happens next. Yeah. And because you're so in line with what God has called you to live, <clears throat> you're like, I don't want that to happen next because it's going to turn me away from my purpose. Exactly. And what I've learned the most okay. is that the resisting temptation mm-hmm. is best resisted when, when you're selfish. Here's mm. what I mean by that. Mm. When you realize that I care so much about my success and well-being mm-hmm. that anything that deters me from it, I hate it. Mm-hmm. I personally hate it. Mm. And that selfishness becomes something where if something's thrown at you yeah. and you and you know mm-hmm. this is going to take me away from where I'm called to be, <clears throat> I don't want it. Yeah. So I love that your answer because I think that's something that you've mentioned, Jose has mentioned it as well, but it comes from practicing trusting in God in your singleness mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah. Because what you brought up was like you made a point where you said it's very hard to learn how to be faithful when you when you get married. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to learn how to shoot a free throw in the NBA finals yeah. when you're down by th- two, um, two and you're on the free throw line. Yeah. That's not the time you want not to learn. Not the time. So I really love that you, what you brought it up because I think that allows men to realize that, yo, you're preparing yourself today yeah. for decisions that you're going to make in the future. Yeah. And I think that it's very important to like not only like, I don't think it's like a selfish thing more so than it is a protect, a protection thing. Right. I think that it's very important to protect what God has already blessed you with. Right. The Bible says, I, I, if you were faithful with the little, I'll trust you with much. Right. And I think that if you can't protect guard and really steward the things that he's already given you, then why would he give you more? Right. Mm. So it's like, for me, it's like, I want to be this person that God can just flow through how he needs to let me get out of the way and actually be selfless. Because I think that the things that may come to us that are like these temporary, you know, things that will like fulfill us temporarily, like it sounds good in the moment, you know, and it takes you being selfless and thinking about what happens next. Like in order to protect I can't allow the next thing to happen to be negative in relation to what God's already blessed me with. No, and I think I think to me the the part of the the part of our conversation that I love the most was that the pursuit of excellence with godliness. Yeah. And I think what has happened is so many people think that if I want to be a man of God, I have to like you said be this meek cowardice mm-hmm. person in the corner of the room. Yeah. I can't be on the top of the mountain. Yeah. I can't be the star of the of the event. Mm-hmm. And to me, what I realized is that we need more men who are pursuing God. Yeah. To be able to desire for greatness. Yeah. But what I've noticed, and this has happened to me as well, a lot of men get deterred from pursuing God the way you and I are desiring to pursue God because of the expectations. Mm, That's amazing. Yeah. You know, because in their brain, they feel like if I try to strive for greatness and godliness, any mistake I make, people will use that to demonize and tear down my character. Mm. For example, like I don't go through the comments 
because it makes me mad. <laughs> but my but one of my friends, I posted a video about the standard experience when we were in Miami. And basically the experience is like this three-day weekend where we're celebrating success, um, prosperity, wealth, God, and all types of things, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like, it's based upon many concepts, but one of the things you see in the Old Testament is that there's a lot of feasts, yeah. a lot of days of I celebration. Yeah, yeah. Like for successful men, <clears throat> they're always working, they're always grinding, you mm-hmm. need to stop and celebrate. Yeah. That's the purpose of those events. Yeah. And I posted a video of, of this yacht party. We got this like, you know, crazy yacht, remind me of the Red Dragon from Rush Hour. Okay, you know okay. I, mean? I wanted to show it <laughs> to inspire the guys. Yeah. In the comments, well, I was told, <clears throat> Haters galore, mm. man! Like you guys call yourself men of God, and you're at this party, and you're doing this, and you're doing that, and I'm just like, what is ungodly about celebrating success, right? And 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 so what I realized is that a lot of men see the pressures mm. that society and then women put. We have that men of God label and feel like that if you're gonna put that label on your back, you're gonna have to be perfect, mm. and then they feel like. I can't be perfect, so I don't want that label at to begin with. Mm, I think that number one in that situation where like you post whatever you want to. I think that like when it comes to like what you post or how people perceive it, I think that a lot of people when they're offended by things, they're speaking from their own lack, right? Because God can trust certain people with certain things, and the Bible says um, everybody's convictions aren't the same. Yes, meaning that. What you can deal with and what I can deal with are two different things. What I feel bad about when it comes to like God personally, what he can, what I can handle with him versus what you can are two different things, right? But I think that somebody who is seeing you on this yacht and like all those things and saying, y'all must be men of God, but you're being flashy. It's like, it's because they couldn't handle that blessing without being lost. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's like, I think that when it comes to pursuing God, and the true experience of experiencing him and being in close proximity with him, you realize that what people have to say, their opinions are rooted in so many different things, yeah. trauma, ego, lack, jealousy, all of these things. So it's like when it comes to whatever comments like come when it comes to living in abundance, when it comes to living how you know you're living with God, that's a personal relationship. It really doesn't matter what anybody else has to say. And like the fact that, people are scared to come to him because they don't want, they think they have to be perfect is a signifier that you need to come to him. Yeah. Because you realize that everything, everything everybody else has to say matters too much. Mm. And all that really matters is what he has to say, because people are always going to speak from these different points of view with different points and different ulterior motives of different ways of trying to make you feel with these different agendas. And it's like, ultimately following Christ has been the only thing that's allowed me to shut that noise out yeah. because like it doesn't matter because all that matters to me is him knowing my heart and my heart is for him. Man, I love what <clears throat> you said because to me, I think that leads exactly to the point that you brought up previously about confidence. Mm-hmm. True confidence comes when God tells you, this is my beloved son, and in him I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I thought about this concept. There's so many concepts I've been walking guys through, right? Yeah. And so, like, one of the concepts I walk guys through is this concept of a, a concept of identity. Mm-hmm. Who are you? Yeah. It's so important that a man knows who he is. Yeah. Okay. When you look at the story of Jesus, before he began his public ministry, mm-hmm. what did what happened? 
First, he was tempted by the devil. Yeah. And what did the devil do? It, he always questioned his identity. Mm -hmm. If you're the son of God, if you're Damn. the son of God, he always <clears throat> would question yeah. him and said, if you really are this, to try to put that pressure on him. Mm -hmm. But right after that moment, before he began, he got baptized by John the Baptist. And before Jesus began his ministry, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son and him I am well pleased. Yeah. That's such a deep concept. I don't think people really understand what happened right there. Yeah. God didn't say that after he died on the cross. Yeah. Mm. He said that before he even began mm. his journey. God didn't even say that before, after he healed. It's one thing if he healed somebody. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's my son. <clears throat> I'm well pleased. Yeah. So the, 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 the justification with God happened before any works was done. Exactly. And it's so important not to get wrapped up in works, man. I think that it's, it's a byproduct. Like excellence when you're following God is a byproduct of just your proximity and your closeness when it comes to relationship with him. Like he knows. And like when it's crazy that you mentioned the, the aspect of like the devil tempting Jesus because he tempted him with things that was already his. Like yeah. He already had like he already had those things. This world, like this is God. He created it all. So like you're tempting me with things that like God already created. And he was God, so like he already had it. But I think that um, it's like you can't get wrapped up in a thing like works because by nature we are broken. By nature we were born into sin and shaped in iniquity. That's the Bible says that it's in our entire existence, and that's why we need Jesus to be able to save us from those things because on our own, on our best day, we're, we're that's what we are, you know, but with, without him, that's what we are. But it's important to understand that with him, like you have the ability to be beyond those things, beyond those experiences that you've had that have shaped your negative mindset. Like you have access to him in a way that supersede anything anybody says or anything you've ever been through. And it's more, it's more than what you've experienced. It's more than what you've ever fathom this it's what words haven't seen i mean ears haven't heard and eyes haven't seen you know so i think that like it's <clears throat> hard to let go of this like quid pro quo type i do this then i get that or this is what this should look like and if it doesn't then you're not doing it right versus really realizing the true nature of christ is so personal that you could never tell me what i'm doing right or what i'm doing wrong because in the story of david um <clears throat> there was a time where he was living in the philistine camp Right. And he was that's the enemies of God. Right. And he's supposed to be a man of God. And like he was back there taking territory while he was back there, seeming like he was actually being comrades with the Philistines. He was actually back there taking territory, taking the territory that the Philistines had and, and giving and giving it back to God. But the people on the outside, these people who are the Israelites looking at David like you're a traitor, bro. Y'all. But they didn't know that God sent him there yeah. to take territory back. And one thing I, I hate about about this like this timid nature of, of of some of some people when it comes to the faith is that people are so scared to go in these places that the devil has claimed territory on mm -hmm. and we're called to gain territory on this earth how can you gain territory that you're scared to go on and fight on how yeah. can you gain that two things i thought about as you were talking the first thing was once god tells you that he's well pleasing you no man can tell you that you're not do, you're not doing a good That's job it. you know what i mean like like nobody can t if god is like yo job well done yeah nobody in any comment mm -hmm. nobody can tell me or deter me from what it is and so 
to the men who lack confidence, having that identity, knowing your purpose, and knowing that God's called you to that purpose, yeah. it strengthens you that no matter what anyone else says, you can't determine because I know what is true and what's not. Yeah. And to your point about <clears throat> this, this, this nature of being timid, there's one pastor I used to follow named Pastor Mark Driscoll. He would say that people go and get in trouble for going too far. Mm-hmm. No one gets in trouble for not going far enough. Mm. Man. And, and to me... Primarily, what you see in the Bible is sins of omission and sins of commission, right? Mm-hmm. Sins of omission is not doing what God called you to do, the sin of Jonah. Mm-hmm. Sin of commission is doing what God told you not to do, the sin of Adam, right? Mm. So what <clears throat> you see is that when people get punished today, they're getting punished primarily for the sins of commission. Mm-hmm. Cheating on your wife, stealing, cheating on taxes, yeah. cussing people out, like... Doing things that as clear as day you're not mm-hmm. supposed to do and doing them. Yeah. Sins of commission, people get pun- pun- punished for that. What people rarely ever get punished on, because that's between them and God most of the time, yeah. it is sin of omission. When God told you to go to Nineveh and you're not going there. Yeah. So there's so many people who are thinking that they're righteous, thinking that they're, that they're, that they're men and women of God. But God knows they, he told them to do something and they're too timid and fearful to not do it, mm. they don't realize they're living, they're living in just as much sin as a dude who's cheating on his wife. Oh, that's good, bro. That's good. And I think that, like, what's crazy about those two things is, like, yes, there are parallels, but I think that it's crazy that the difference is, I think, maturity. Because in order to have the sin of where you hear him but you don't go is being able to hear him in the first place, right? And I think it takes maturity to discern God's voice. So I think that, like, you see a lot more people on this earth struggling with those sins of, like, cheating on your wife or killing or robbing because they haven't even begun a spiritual maturity process of what it means to even discern God's voice, Mm -hmm. right? But I think that the people who are hearing from God and, like, moving and operating, like, and, 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 like, not going the direction he's telling them to go, they are the people that these people who haven't had that maturity, that's where God is sending. He's sending them to those people to mature them, to like actually cultivate their faith. So where they can actually be the people who are struggling with that to a point to where they're mature enough to actually eventually listen to it. Yeah. But I think that like you don't realize the fullness of that until you actually go. Right. So I think that like the reason why it's just as easy as a sin or to be called as a parallel sin as like, to not listen to God when he's telling you to do something as it is to like kill somebody is because you're literally allowing somebody to stay in the murderous nature because you are being sent mm-hmm. to this area. I'm telling you to go here so you can actually save them, Yeah, but you won't do it. So it's like, you're basically allowing it to happen in a sense. Wow. Oh, no, that's, that's, that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think, I think to me, the, the, the message that I'm loving that's being, communicated today mm-hmm. that I'm hearing from you is like when a man is called to a purpose, he just moves a little differently. Yeah. He's moved a little differently, thinks differently. He has a hunger, a different kind of hunger, mm-hmm. a different level of proactivity. Yeah. And so to me, like, that's why I was so excited about connecting with you, bringing you on the platform, you know, tapping you into the standard sure. because Thank you. we need to, we need more of this. Yeah. We need more of these conversations. We need more men such as yourself. We need, we need, everywhere in society to have a man of God who's crushing it here. So at least you can know. Yeah. Because I've always, I've said this point and I feel this way recently after spending so many years trying to beg people 
to 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 either follow God or to you know live a better life. Yeah. I said, what hurts me is not that people choose hell. Yeah. The devil chose it. That's his choice. It is what it is. What hurts me is that people who didn't know that they could choose heaven. Mm. I said it one more time. People didn't get it. Mm. What what hurts me is not when people willingly choose hell. Mm-hmm. What hurts me the most is when people didn't know that they could choose heaven. Mm. They didn't know that, man, I can be an influencer and be an amazing <clears throat> husband and a man of God yeah. and a great father and do it in an ethical way. I can be a content creator. I can be a lawyer, a doctor, an NBA player, an actress, an actor, a politician, whatever it may be. When people don't know that there is a way to be as successful, if not more successful in the world and to do it God's way yeah. and the right way, to me, that's what breaks my heart. And that's my desire with collecting as I say, or or recruiting as many great men together because we need to be able to show men that if you want to live this way, cool. But don't say that's the only way to be successful. Because have somebody else who's doing it exactly or as best best to his ability to what God has called us to live and he's 10 times more successful. For sure. And I think that like, that's, that's that's a great point. And I think that number one, it's, I think we need more people that are successful in this space, like being more boisterous with their faith, right? I think that it's important for us to let people know that my life is centered around God. God is the center of my life, the center of my focus. Everything else is a byproduct, right? I think that like people see that like, oh, God is a part of his life, but no, like God is my life. Everything else is a byproduct of it, right? And I think that there needs to be more conversation and exposure to that mindset because again before any of the success that I picked up happened I was successful in my relationship with God in a similar way but also I think that when it comes to that piece of like choosing heaven right the Bible says everybody will have their chance to accept or deny Christ right and I think that when it comes to operating on this level and being boisterous with your faith, you just amplify the truth of that scripture, which is it was right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Even on the platform that everybody demonizes, even on social media, it was there. I came to your front door yeah. and you said no. Yeah. You saw it. You knew it and you said no. Yeah. So like they'll have the chance to choose heaven yeah. or deny it, you know, mm. so. Man. We can go for days. We can go for days, man. 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 My brother, man, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. I feel like there's just so much wisdom that the people gain. I mean, this is an episode that people have to watch three, four, five, (laughs) six, seven times to catch all the gems that you drop. Where can people find you at? Uh, You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, at Ladarius Campbell. Um, It's L-A-D-A-R-I-U-S. And yeah, that's that's my handle. Most definitely appreciate you, my guy. Thanks for having me, man. Guys, you already know how we get down here at The Roommates. Please be sure to reach out to Ladarius. Let him know what about this episode stood out to you. Hope that it blessed you guys as much as it blessed me. Thank you so much. My name is Hafiz, and I'm joined by Ladarius Campbell. Hope you guys have a great day. Peace.